Hello, I'm Oliver Greaves. Uh, I'm at the eight o'clock uh, Church by the Bridge uh, congregation. It's good to be here. Please open your Bibles to Psalm 42 and 43. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go to meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore I will remember you from the heights of Jordan, the land of Hermon, and from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to my, my God, my rock, why have you forsaken me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Rescue me from deceitful and wicked men. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then will I go to the altar of God. To God, my joy and my delight, I will praise you with a harp, O God, my God. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say it is well. It is well with my soul. They're amazing words from an amazing hymn by Horatio Spafford. He was a man who had this great intimacy with God, this closeness with God. Uh, that hymn is even more amazing when you know the story behind the hymn. See, his wife and four daughters were travelling from the US to the UK when tragedy struck and the ship sank and all four daughters died. As Horatio travelled to meet his grieving wife, he passed the spot where his daughters died and this calmness, this peace came over him and he wrote those words, whatever my lot, thou have taught me to say it is well, it is well with my soul. Wow, what a man of extraordinary faith, extraordinary intimacy. He felt loved and safe and secure with God. That's our theme for today, intimacy with God. It's not a word we use often to describe our relationship with God, but it is biblical. That closeness, that 
deep connectivity, that deep delight in God. The Bible talks about this intimacy that you can enjoy with God. It's not talking about spatial closeness. You can feel close to somebody thousands of miles away and you can feel distant from someone sitting next to you. It's talking about a relationship, a relational closeness. And friends, God longs for that intimacy with you. That's why Jesus stepped into the world. That's why Jesus headed to the cross. That's why his blood was shed. You know, my sin, oh, the bliss of this wonderful thought, my, my sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to that cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. It is well with my soul. Now, we know that is true. But to be honest, sometimes those words are hard to say, aren't they? And hard to sing. Because sometimes we don't feel close to God. Sometimes God feels distant and our relationship feels dry. There are these moments where we feel spiritually depleted. It's not unusual. People often say to me, Paul, I feel empty. I feel like God is absent. I stand in church and the words wash over me and I feel nothing. It's called spiritual dryness. You ever felt that? You once enjoyed intimacy with God, but no more. The great hymn writer William Cooper felt that. He, he loved God, he was close to God, but he was prone to dryness and doubt and depression. He wrote this amazing hymn, Over a Closer Walk with God. Let me read a couple of verses. Where is the blessedness I knew when first I sought the Lord? Where is the soul-refreshing view of Jesus and his word? What peaceful hours I once enjoyed, how sweet their memory still, but they've left an aching void the world can never fill. Friends, do you know that feeling? You have experienced that? You once enjoyed intimacy with God, but now he doesn't feel close. Now he feels distant. If that is you, then Psalm 42 and 43 will become your friend. We don't really know who wrote these psalms. The superscript says the sons of Korah, they were the, the temple musicians, they led the worship. But we can glean from verse 6 that they're in exile. They're away from Jerusalem on the heights of Hermon, that is 150 kilometres north of Jerusalem. So they're not near the temple, they're not near God's people. And relationally, he feels as though God has forgotten him. Let me be very clear. This psalm is not about clinical depression. If that is you, and you are suffering from clinical depression, we love you and we care for you, but you need more than a psalm. You need professional help and care. And this psalm is not about circumstantial depression, although you know, sleep deprivation and tragedy can lead to spiritual dryness. This is a psalm about the downcast soul. That's the repeated word. Look at verse five. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed in turmoil within me? It's repeated in verse 5 and in verse 11 and again in 43 verse 5. That's the chorus, the chorus of a downcast soul. Now that word downcast, it means 
despondent or discouraged or dispirited or just down in the dumps. And surely we've all felt that. Every Christian has had these seasons where we feel distant from God. This is a raw, honest, personal psalm from a man who is downcast. But it's more than that. It's actually a positive psalm of hope. Hope for the downcast soul. See that in the chorus? Put your hope in God. I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. He has this confidence, this certainty, this season of dryness. It will not last forever. Because God is still there and God still cares and one day he will enjoy this intimacy with God again. And I believe this is a psalm that our church needs to hear today. Because many people are spiritually downcast and dry. It's been weeks or months or even years. Please don't be satisfied with that. You know when you're driving your car and the the red light comes on your dashboard, it's a warning sign. And if you ignore that warning sign and keep on driving, you'll do long-term damage to your car. And if you ignore the warning signs of spiritual dryness, you'll do long-term damage to your faith. I want you to discover again the intimacy with God, that closeness with God. So I've called this sermon the three steps for renewing your spiritual intimacy, just like the three steps out of COVID-19. So step number one, crave intimacy with God again. Crave intimacy with God again. Oswald Chambers said this, once the joy of intimacy with God has been experienced, life becomes unbearable without it. And that's how the psalmist feels. Look at verses one and two. As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Do you hear the craving? God, I thirst for you, God. I long for you, God. I need you, God. I just crave your presence. This man doesn't want pity, he wants God. But God feels a long way away. So spiritually, he's in the desert. That's the picture of verse 1, the deer panting for streams of water. When you read that verse, please don't think Bambi, think Middle Eastern desert. This is not a picture of, of a deer that is leaping towards luscious lakes to lap at water with beautiful butterflies and bunnies. This is a picture of a desert, that's, of, a, of a deer that is staggering in the desert, dehydrated, depleted, feeling just desperate, just to limping towards one sip of water. That's how the psalmist felt. Thirsting, craving, longing for God. He's singing, it's not well with my soul. I don't want to stay like that. You ever felt that? He's emotionally exhausted. Verse 3 is very graphic. My tears have been my food day and night. He said, I've lost my appetite. Can't stop crying. Wake up crying, go to bed crying. On the menu for breakfast, lunch and dinner is tears. Read the Bible, I cry, sing, I cry. I'm just drained, I'm exhausted. And the voice of other people shouting, where is your God, verse 3? 
Hey, Paul, you claim to be a Christian, but where's your God? Where's the gospel for you now, Paul? And friends, when you're downcast, please don't listen to those loud voices and please don't listen to the inner negative voice. Let me ask, why, why did you go through seasons of drought? Why was this psalmist downcast? But we don't know. It could have been unconfessed sin. Unrepentant sin that weighed heavily on him, like Psalm 32. It could just have been a physical illness. It could be his, his geographical distance from Jerusalem. We just don't know. But what we do know is what he did with it. And he was not satisfied to say, this is my new norm, I'm happy to be spiritually depleted. No, he craved, he longed that intimacy with God. He did two things. He looked back and he talked to himself. See that verse four? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. He's saying, I remember that. I look back to those days where I stood in church and I sang with delight and with joy and I long for that again. He looked back and he preached to himself. He talked to himself. He ever said something like, oh, I've got to give myself a good talking to. That's a good thing to do. That's what he does in verse 5. He says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? I hope you know that this is not the only sermon you will hear today. Every day you hear a preacher, louder than my preaching, the most prominent preacher in your life is yourself. And you've got to learn to preach to yourself the gospel again and again and again. Lord Jones, Martin Lord Jones said this, have you not realised the most, that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. The main art in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You've got to take yourself in hand, address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself, and you must say to your soul, why are you cast down? What business have you been to be disquieted? You must turn on yourself and embrace yourself and condemn yourself and exhort yourself and say to yourself, no, hope in God instead of muttering in this depressed, unhappy way. And then you must go on to remind yourself of God, who God is, what God is, what God has done, and what God has pledged to do. And then having done that, end on this great note. Defy yourself, defy other people, defy the devil, defy the world, and say, like this man, I will yet praise him, my Lord and my God. That's what this man does. He makes a deliberate choice not to wallow in spiritual dryness. He will not be dictated by his feelings because his feelings are fickle. No, he's going to crave that intimacy with God again. Step number two, pursue intimacy with God. Pursue intimacy with God again. Don't just crave it, but chase it. Pursue it. There's a determination in verse 6. He says, yes, my soul is downcast, verse 6, but therefore I will remember you. I'm, I'm going to remember your character, God. I'm going to get my theology right. You've got to do that. Good theology is so important. Remember who God is, what he's like. 
Paul Tripp has an amazing illustration. Uh, one day when he'd made a decision that made his little daughter unhappy and she's standing before him and she's sobbing. And he looks down and says, darling, have you got a mean daddy? And she says, no. Does your daddy love to make you sad? Oh, no, of course not. Does your daddy love to give you good things? Of course he does. Well, well, darling, you don't understand why, but you've got to trust me, I do still love you. That is God here saying, you don't understand why, but I do still love you, and you've got to trust me. There's two theological truths here you've got to hold on to, the sovereignty of God and the love of God. The sovereignty of God and the love of God. Look at verse 7. Deep calls to deep in the law of your waterfalls. All your waves and your breakers have swept over me. This is a picture of being smashed in the surf. It's probably my English blood, but I have this great gift of catching a wave at exactly the worst possible moment, and I get completely smashed. The board is everywhere. I'm under the water, like in a tumble dryer, can't it up nor down, and I feel pounded. That's how he feels. God, I feel like I'm under the surf and you're pounding me. But spot that word your in verse 7. Your waterfalls, your waves, and your breakers. This man still knows that God is sovereign. He still believes that God is in control. It may feel like God is crushing him, but it's still God's hand that's on him and under him and over him. And can I say, you will never experience true intimacy with God until you've got your theology of the sovereignty of God right. If you live with this wonky theology that there are some things in life that God can't see or God can't change or God doesn't know about, you won't have an intimacy because you'll blame God for all the bad things, you won't thank him for the good things and you'll try and fix things. But if you believe that God is always sovereign, you don't like what is happening but you trust the one who holds you. The sovereignty of God, the love of God. Verse 8 seems to drop in from nowhere. By day, the, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I think this is language of the Exodus. Like the, the waves and the breakers were kept aside as the people walked through dry land, and by, by day, the cloud led them. By night, the fire led them. Here, the love of God is leading them. It's God's steadfast, hesed, extravagant, lavish love shown in Christ. You need those two truths, the sovereignty of God and the love of God. It doesn't change the situation. He's still questioning down in verse 9, why? Why have you forgotten me? Where are you, God? He still repeats the same chorus in verse 11. Why are you downcast? Why so disturbed? But he's now pursuing God. Friends, this psalm is really personal to me. Uh, because as some of you know, 15 years ago, I went through a really rough patch. And this psalm is precious to me. Just after we started Church by the Bridge, actually. Uh, I wasn't clinically depressed, but... A whole lot of things happened to me, traumatic and painful events, and they crushed me, and I couldn't cope. Yeah, Paul Dale couldn't cope. And I stand in the shower sobbing every morning and cry myself to sleep at night. 
I was emotionally exhausted and drained. But worse than that, I felt, I felt like, like God was distant and God wasn't there. You know, the, the preacher who struggled to read his Bible, the, the church planter who, who felt that God didn't care. And what I didn't need at that time was pious platitudes. What I needed to do was to pursue God. And so someone bought me a journal. And in that journal, I just wrote down attributes of God and I wrote down Bible verses about God and songs about God and prayers other people have written and I needed good friends to keep pointing me to who God was. And those two truths, the sovereignty of God and the love of God, they brought that renewed intimacy with God again. I needed good theology, I needed good friends. We all need good friends. Uh, John Newton was a great friend to William Cowper. For 13 years he was his pastor, for 20 years he was his friend, walking alongside him. I hope you've got good friends. I'm so thankful for friends like Jim and Simon and Simon and Ed and Steve and Paul and Todd and many other people who have helped me just to cling on to God and pursue God. So crave intimacy, pursue intimacy, and lastly, expect intimacy. Expect intimacy with God again. Uh, Psalm 43 is like this statement of faith, this expectant confidence, it's anticipation. The repeated phrase is in verse 4 and verse 5, I will, I will, I will. It's just so beautiful. He says, I'm confident that I will praise God again. Just read that psalm through that lens. Verse 1. I prayed, God, you will vindicate me, and I believe that you will. I, I prayed, God, that you will rescue me. I believe that you will. That's a prayer of faith, a prayer of confidence. And he can pray that because he knows, verse 2, that God is his stronghold, a safe place, a mighty, secure God. He may not feel that right now, but he knows that. And so he can pray in verse 3, God, send me your light and your faithful care, or literally your, your light and your truth. We need those two things, light to dispel darkness and truth to dispel lies. He said, I'm confident that God will lead me. Lead me to his holy mountain where God dwells. Lead me to the place where I can meet with God and hear God's voice and lead me again to the altar of God where I can experience forgiveness by a sacrifice of an animal. Lead me to the place, verse 4, where I have joy again and delight again and I'll praise God again and I can sing, it is well, it is well with my soul. And that's why this third course is so different. He says, I will praise you, I will. I love that. He says, one day the clouds will lift. And one day I'll praise you again. And one day I'll read the Bible again and those delights will just drip from the pages. One day I will not be like a deer panting for water, I'll be leaping for joy again. I believe that. Now do you believe that? You see, we're not waiting for God to send light and truth. He's already sent it in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. We're not waiting to be led to a, an altar for an animal sacrifice because we've got the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So when you know Christ, he is 
your joy. He is your delight. And you may not feel that, but you will enjoy intimacy again through Jesus Christ. And you know what? Even if it's not in this life, one day you will not be crying tears day and night because one day he will wipe away every tear from your eye. And one day you won't go back mourning because all mourning and death will, will be wiped away. And one day there'll be no enemies and one day you will not crave and you will not pursue and you won't expect intimacy, you'll enjoy and experience intimacy with Jesus face to face. That's why that hymn ends. So Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight and the clouds be rolled back as the scroll and the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend, even so it is well, it is well with my soul. Friends, I'm convinced this psalm is for our church because many of us are spiritually dry. Please don't be satisfied with that. Crave intimacy. Pursue intimacy and expect intimacy with God again. Let me pray. Our Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you he is light in our dark world. He is truth against the lies. He is our joy, he is our delight. And I do pray, Lord, for us who may be spiritually depleted or dry. I pray by the power of your Spirit, you would shine these truths back into our lives. Refresh us and restore that intimacy, please God, in Jesus' name. Amen.